Welcome to The Untrue Show, a personal journal covering pop culture, millennial life, relationships, and career from an untrue point of view, hosted by me, Dana Jones. I am so happy to be back. I feel like I kind of had to take a little a step back for a week because school got the best of me. I'm taking four classes at the end of getting my MBA and I just got a little bit overwhelmed with everything happening, but I'm so glad to be back. I feel like even when I'm not recording the podcast or weeks where I miss recording the podcast, I'm always thinking about what I'm going to talk about next. And this week was no different. There's so many things I feel like I want to cover, but I had to kind of focus in on one thing. So here's that one thing I want to talk about with you guys this week. Not sure if you're on the app TikTok, but I have been a observer (laughs) of people creating TikToks. I'd say a consumer. I haven't started creating anything there yet, but I'm a fan of it and I've really enjoyed it. I have had such a great time watching people be creative and watching people have fun with it, make humor, share short videos. I think that it's very similar to Vine, but nothing will ever take the place of Vine in my heart. <laughs> um, but I, I would say it's very similar to Vine and I do like that quality about it. And there are people on there who will make content and then share it. And then other people will share the same content or do their own interpretation of it. And it just kind of goes on and on and on. So a couple weeks ago, there's this article in New York Times about one of the creatives on Vine, on TikTok, not Vine, <laughs> one of the creatives on TikTok and this dance that she made. And if you're on TikTok, you can't escape this dance. It At least or late last fall, it was the biggest thing on there. Uh, it's called the Renegade Dance and it's to this K-Camp song. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun to do. And I think that it's definitely just one of those things. If you get on there, you go through a couple of videos, you're going to run across it and you're going to straight see it. So anyway, um, the song is called Lottery by K-Cam and it's like the first couple seconds of it where she just has made this choreography and everybody takes it on and they do it. The first time I ever saw this video and I saw one creative doing it over and over, her name was Charlie. So it's hard to trace back the origins of the dance. I just thought, oh, this dance is her dance. She made it famous. She made it up. Didn't think anything of it. This article comes out and basically goes behind the scenes talking about this girl named Jalea who actually created the dance. And then it talks about how uh, Charlie kind of like took the dance on her own and it just went viral and kind of exploded. And yeah, so (laughs) it talks about how the thing about and like I said, it's hard to, to, to get credit or give credit to people on TikTok who made or created things. They don't have to tag people, people in the comments. If you call it out, a lot of times they will say like, you're a liar. Stop being a hater. They might even come for you and bully you. And that was always one of the things that I disliked about Vine is that there was very little police on the, the meanness of people within the comment section, um, harassment, all those things, similar to what I'd say on Twitter, where it's hard to have a voice there and to not get bullied or singled out if your voice doesn't align with other groups. So anyway, uh, basically, TikTok doesn't really make it easy for you to give credit back where credit is due because, I mean, she needs credit for this. And I think when she tried to ask for credit or to be tagged, people didn't ever give it to her. And so uh, it's funny because they basically tried to tell her like, hey, Jalea made it. And I don't think she got really upset about not getting credit, but she definitely acknowledged like, hey, I'd want 
credit for this. Like I'd want people to recognize that I did this, that I tried it and they're not doing that right now. And I get it. It's a dance. It's hard to claim ownership of a dance. Uh, I understand that. But I think the part that was most detrimental is the fact that Charlie has kind of taken off. She's gotten sponsorship. She's been in a commercial uh, with Jennifer Lopez after the Super Bowl. And she's just done a lot of things that Jalea hadn't quite gotten to do until the article came out. So she's gotten compensation and grown a career off of the videos. So that is just one of those things that it's just like, okay, like it, it, it hurt her to not get that credit up front because she could have had the same thing happen to her possibly. But anyway, um, ultimately I wanted to talk a little bit about that article before I kind of got into just how impactful having someone else steal your, your creation is in the workplace because I've dealt with it in a lot of places that I've worked at and the most latest experience, I was actually presenting a PowerPoint to someone, showing them what I was capable of and what I could do. And at the end of the presentation, they actually said to me, I just want to let you know, this other person actually showed me this presentation and told me that they came up with it. So I'm pausing because I definitely felt a type of way when I heard this news I was blown I was blown away I was shocked and I was really disappointed I was like wow but it also put a lot of pieces of the puzzle together when I heard that the person had done this so ultimately I'd love to help you guys if you ever run into a situation like this the the very first thing that I did was I got really really upset nobody wants their projects to be taken or for someone else to take credit for them especially when it's a really really good idea because I felt like my idea was really really good but I had to take a step back and almost take a view outside of myself to really look at the situation for what it is and not take it personal because it's really easy to be like gosh it's all me like why is it my fault when someone takes your idea or tries to claim ownership of it it's never your fault like you didn't make that person do it so I had to tell myself, nobody takes bad ideas. Nobody wants to take credit for those. So obviously the person who said it was his his presentation knew that it was a good concept. And so that should speak something to the work that I did. It should speak to, to it and say, you did a good job. You had a great idea. And if you have great ideas, you do become a target. Someone else might take them. And that's what happens. So I really had to set a time limit on my anger and kind of take process time to understand what happened. So I was like, geez, this person took my project. I feel a way about it, but I can't just blow up and I can't stay angry about it forever. I kind of had to have a window of 24 or 48 hours where I just think this over, think this through and decide if that's what I'd like to like, like how I would like to proceed from here. So that's what I did. I just kind of took a little bit of time away from it to think it over, think, think, think it through, give myself some space. And another thing that I came up with from there was I almost an affirmation that we have to say to ourselves is I'm full of ideas. I am never going to run out of ideas. I have an abundant amount of ideas. And maybe I had to affirm those things out loud, but I kept telling myself, I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of ideas. I'm never going to run out of ideas. If someone takes one, there's so many left that I can keep moving with, keep going with, keep pressing forward with. And 
the fact of the matter is one idea isn't going to get you where you want to go. You're going to have to keep creating. It's a constant cycle of coming up with something, thinking something through, pitching something, putting something out there, hearing no, revising what you thought, and just continuous, continuous, continuous creation, continuous brainstorming, continuous things that you have to do in order to be a creative and to be a successful creative and to be good at what you do. Like I work in marketing. There's no way that I could work in marketing if I wasn't able to come up with new ideas or pitch new things or or understand new concepts or try new apps like TikTok. So just understanding that about myself is I have an abundant amount of ideas. If you need to speak it out loud, even saying it now makes me feel a little bit empowered because I'm never going to run out of ideas. Someone can take one and they can have that one. I'm never going to run out. The next thing that I would say is make a plan. So if I learned this really early in my career, if I come to a meeting with an idea, usually I have put in an hour or two where I have the margin to do so, of driving that idea forward, of proving why it's a good idea, of being able to speak to some of the doubters in the room, because there's always going to be doubters. I saw this thread going on Twitter where people were talking about working in social, working in digital and the issues they run into and their constant issues of people doubting that something's going to work just because digital and social are still fairly new spaces. If you think about it, like 30 years ago, we weren't doing email marketing. It was mostly advertising billboards and magazines and commercials. And even those things are different now than they were back then. So everything is moving really fast. And if you come into a meeting, for instance, and pitch a whole TikTok campaign and launching a TikTok for your company or for a corporation, you're going to get at least 50% of the room is going to be like, why would we do that? Why would we put resources toward that? Let's do it grassroots. Let's do it for free. How, how little can we spend to get this done? You have to go in the room with a plan, with a budget, with a, a content calendar. I've had to do that as well. With key performance indicators, with a goal, with all the things together sometimes in a very limited amount of time. When I worked at a startup, I used to have weekly meetings. And in those meetings, when I would pitch things, I would come correct. Because if you just throw something out loud, that's when it makes it really easy for someone to like be a bandit and straight take it and run with it. (laughs) But if you have literally laid out a full plan, it's really difficult for someone to come in and snatch your whole plan away. Because that's another key point to this. A lot of people want to own your concepts, they want to own your ideas. They very rarely want to own the work it takes to get it done. I'll say that again. A lot of people want to own your concepts. They want to steal your ideas, but they very rarely want to own the work it takes to get it done. They don't want to do that part. So they might pitch your idea, something they came up with or something that they did, but they're rarely going to take the time to do the work that it takes to execute on the idea. So if you beat them to the finish line first by doing it, then you're already a thousand steps ahead because they don't want to do that part. And if they take that part of what you've done, that's a whole different conversation. (laughs) Maybe not. But if they take the work work that you've done, and in this case, in my case, they literally took the work, the hours of time that I put into putting something together, to researching it, to putting the goals together and pitch it as their own, then you really have to be strategic how you navigate your next steps working with this particular person, working at this particular company. And for me, what I did was confront it. So I went to the manager of that person and said, hey, they took my idea. And that conversation didn't go the way I thought it would go. I thought maybe the manager would say, I'll talk to this person. The manager was kind of like, deal with it. Again, 
here's the thing. <laughs> uh, that wasn't a substantial answer for me. I'm not asking for the person to say, I'm sorry, but just acknowledge as a leader that your person, the person on your team did this, have a conversation with them about it. Just react a different way. And I think I would have reacted a different way if someone came to me about my subordinate, but I'm not in charge. And so I would just take this situation as a lesson for me when I am in charge of how I would handle something like this. And also I would really encourage my subordinates to do the things I've said here. If you have an idea, don't just have an idea. Anyone can brainstorm. Anyone can throw out a sentence of, hey, let's make a TikTok. But not everyone's going to say, hey, let's make a TikTok. Give an explanation for the goals, why, all the content that you're going to do, all the top things that are happening on TikTok, all the best practices, all the current trends, all the top people to follow, the best brands who are doing it well, the brands who are not doing it well, what you can learn from each of those. No one's going to do all that legwork. A lot of times people are just going to just throw something out in the air. And that's one thing I don't like about meetings is that's what happens in a lot of meetings when I worked in PR agencies is everyone would just throw out something verbally about an idea or a concept and they wouldn't necessarily come in with the work done ahead. The prep work is what I would say to, to make this idea look like something that they wanted to put out there. So I'd say if, be really strategic in the way that you give your ideas out. And what I mean by saying that is sometimes I'm even trying to pull myself back on Twitter where I'll throw out something and say, I think it would be a great idea if X, Y, Z. Well, yeah, I mean, it might be a great idea of X, Y, Z, but maybe it, that idea needs to incubate inside of me or inside of my journal before I throw it out there for someone else to take and run with. And I'd say the same goes for being in a meeting. Instead of just saying like, hey, let's start a TikTok knowing that people are interested in trying something new and being an early adopter in the organization where you work, maybe what you should do is for the next meeting, let your idea bake a little bit inside of you, get that plan together, that strategic communication plan that you want to share with the group and come correct. Like I said, I used to work for someone who was on a debate team I don't think I said this before, but I'm saying it now. I used to work for a um, COO that worked was on a debate team. And literally every idea that I brought to him, he debate me on it. Why do we do that? Why does that work? What does that mean? Why, should, why does that make sense? I don't understand. I'd get that fight every single time I would pitch something to him or tell him about something. And from those initial conversations, I learned, okay, next time I'm going to come correct with him because I already know he's going to say, why should I give you $15,000 to do XYZ? How do you know that's going to drive value for us? How do you know that makes sense for us? How do you know that's going to get us results? I could answer all those naysayer negative questions before I even get in the room instead of coming in the room and being blindsided by questions like that. If he's asking the same questions every time, I know what to answer for the next time. It's like exercise. You don't start out the strongest person in the world. You don't start out the best runner or fastest runner in the world. But after you do it on a running plan at a certain pace, you challenge yourself and you stay consistent, then you really understand what people are trying to trying to get out of you and their personality style. Like I just know this is a former debater. He's going to debate me on any idea that I have, but here's how I 
accomplish the goal that I'd like to accomplish. I want to come into the meeting and I want to get that $15,000 budget approved because I really want to target some potential customers on LinkedIn. And that's the budget that I need to do it. And here's a three month plan that outlines how we're going to do it and why we're going to do it and why our audience is there, what we're going to say to them, what we're going to get to get them to become our raving enthusiasts of our brand or to get them to buy our product. This is how all of this is going to work. So that eliminates a lot of his what ifs. It makes it really difficult for him to debate. It makes it difficult to come back. It makes it difficult to have these answers or these questions or these challenges to everything that I'm trying to present to you to get what I would like driven forward. So look at it like that. Uh, I, I felt like my ideas were definitely borrowed a lot more when I worked at a PR firm. Uh, and it, that's just the nature of it. Sometimes I work, work a lot more closely with digital things and I have to be an early adopter being a digital marketer because when the new social app comes out, I got to be on it. I got to know why, why it's working, what's happening, what's the trends before everybody else does. So it makes it easier for someone who's a little out of the loop to come in and say, Hey, we got to be there and literally own, you know what I've, what I've said. So I kind of gotten used to it, but I think that sometimes positions of power can abuse people who are subordinate by taking their ideas and leveraging those ideas to help them get promoted or advanced. Um, I was reading this other article recently and it's called from pet to threat. And I'm not sure if you guys have heard of this one. I'll link it in the show notes, but it's a really, really interesting article about being a woman of color in the workplace. And some of the things that happen when we go from being a pet to being really supportive and really helpful and giving our ideas away very freely to being a threat where we start to question like, Hey, I'd love to advance. I see you're getting promoted. I've done all this work. What's my next step? And the people that saw you as a pet don't like you being that threat. They don't like you asking those questions. They don't really want you to move out of your role. So the, the article really made me think about a lot of things that I've been through in the workplace just because there's so many times where, and it's not even just about taking your ideas. It's where you've just been in, in the same role for like a year or two. And you're like, okay, what's next for me? I'd love to branch out and try more of X, Y, Z. And your manager's literally like, well, I don't want you to do that. I want you to literally stay in the same role. And maybe they're not saying that, but directly, but they're saying that through their actions and they're saying that through some of the things that they put you through, especially with the last manager I had, it was very difficult um, being at a startup to kind of have a leader who, and, and, and maybe this is just the nature of startups, it's very difficult for them to encourage you or to create a cultural environment where they want you to grow because it's a startup. And we're not at that level where we're really growing at that pace for my role to expand. And when it comes to digital, a lot of the things that I do, um, I do a lot of tactical stuff within marketing technologies. And a lot of people don't have that skill set. So when it's time for me to say like, hey, I don't want to do so much of the tactical stuff, I'd really love to be more of the strategic authority or the strategic visionaire in this space. Um, unfortunately, some of those people who've taken your ideas have a better leverage on getting those opportunities. So that's where it kind of starts to hurt. But I just set it out for myself to have a goal of making sure there's more visibility to the work that I'm doing. Because I feel like so much of the work happens in silence, almost like a hidden figure. Um, you know, the, the movie Hidden Figures and Katherine Johnson, she actually just passed away. And um, after seeing that article come up again, I thought about how it took us so long to know her story. 
well after it happened. And when we learned history in school, we never talked about Katherine Johnson. I feel like the only woman of color you really talk about when I was in school was like Harriet Tubman. That was so long ago. And Oprah, maybe. But, you know, it's just there's so many other people out there who do a lot and are driving the culture forward across the landscape of like science, technology, math, that business, um, education, all the fields that we just don't hear about. So I think reading this article about Jalea making the dance was so much deeper than just the dance and so much deeper than just TikTok and so much deeper than all the things that it covered on the surface level, just because there's so many times where I know that people are doing really, really great work, but someone else at the top is literally not giving them the credit for it. And they keep moving up and they keep moving up and really marginalizing the people at the bottom. So it just gives you something to give to, to, to look out for in the future. And definitely something that as I consider moving into leadership, I'm more conscious of just because I never want to be that person or I never want to be that type of leader who is shutting out people underneath me to keep climbing to the top. There has to be a more collaborative way to do things. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And yeah, so I'm actually focusing my concentration for my MBA program on innovation, just because this is one of those things that I think is just happening as we evolve in the workplace. There's change happening and managing that change and managing that innovation that's coming through is a big part of it. Because I think sometimes the ideas are being taken by people who don't understand the technology. They don't understand the shifts. Um, One of my ideas that was taken was in the last role I was in, I did digital marketing, social media, and I kind of got to own all of our strategies because we were at such a small place. And in hindsight, there were some some cons to this, but ultimately the pros were that I got to own everything from start to finish. I was writing content, I was making markups, I was driving ideas forward. And then a lot of times after you drive an idea forward, you get the icing on the cake. So I would get the end result of of these like really, really great visual projects, these projects that we would send out through email that we do on social media, this content that we'd write, we would repurpose to make it, you know, more evergreen. And by evergreen, I mean, it's content that can kind of live on forever. It doesn't have a seasonality to it. It has a really impactful message or meaning and we can reuse it. We can take a blog post, turn into a podcast, turn into a slide share, turn into a presentation where you speak, uh, turn into a video. So evergreen content is is Bible, I'd say, for brands because you want to have content that kind of has that that usability year over year, season over season, yada, 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 especially if you spend a lot of money on this content. So I was in a role where I was doing that type of thing and always trying to look for new opportunities for me to do more of that. So I went to our human resource person and we identified an issue of being able to attract younger talent. So how could we define the culture of our company to the world because ultimately that would attract people to want to work for our organization. So I did all this groundwork. I looked at what other big companies were doing. There's a lot of companies out there that put a lot of effort into showing off their employer brand. And what that means is 
I'd almost say it's like Glassdoor, but it's on digital and they have ownership of what it looks like to work for their company. So if you go to Instagram, I remember when I was researching, I looked at companies like Salesforce and MailChimp and how their workforce all kind of unites through the use of hashtags when they're out of office to show off their vacation photos. There's this thing called the culture code. So I set out to define what our culture code was at the specific place I was working because we were a startup. We didn't have that outline. We didn't have an employer brand. We didn't have those things lined up. So put all these things together. I decided that in order for us to look like a company where people wanted to work, we had to have a really engaged workforce. So I started focusing our digital efforts in a big attempt to sway our employees to get to share social content because we had a lot of employees and ultimately it would be better for the entire workforce to try to be motivated to post these things versus just maybe 10 executives. So I kind of flipped the initial strategy. My first manager, who was the director of marketing, was a woman. She came up with this really great strategy to engage the executives. And after executing on that for a year, I was like, hey, let's engage the whole workforce. So. By this time, I got a new uh, manager who was VP of marketing. He had a more senior title, but he did maybe a fourth of the work of the digital, of the director of marketing, sorry. (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. So anyway, the VP of marketing, I'll never forget being in a meeting where he literally said, yeah, I helped uh, create this company newsletter that we started doing every month. And I literally was so floored by this. I think... I think, okay, I have to give him credit because he did get it approved, but all the groundwork, all the reasoning behind it, all the logic, all of that work, I did do. So I felt a way for him to just take credit for the whole thing, even though getting authority and getting approval over a project is important, but the groundwork is really important too. So I felt like as a leader, he should have said our team helped do this as versus him trying to own the whole thing, because you giving a check mark on something that I've pretty much done all the digging for is definitely doesn't it's not good for team morale I'd say (laughs) uh and it definitely didn't help we kind of already had a fractured relationship so it definitely helped our relationship any for him to take ownership of something I'd worked really really hard at doing uh but it's just another example it's just one of those things and um watch out like If you have a leader that does things like that, then you're able to really see like, okay, is this the type of person I want to work for? Because a lot of times when people leave roles, it's not necessarily the culture of the company. It might be the leadership. And a comment like that would definitely make me feel away. I wouldn't say it'd make me turn away and look for another job, but I might say something to the manager. But that becomes a whole different thing when you say something to leadership um about things like that sometimes they retaliate and you just have to be really 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 strategic i had one manager that i did say something to and she actually was very she owned it she was like oh that's that's something i need to work on and i'm really glad that you called it out and i'm so sorry that i that i did that so you might have that kind of rapport but just just be cautious and try to understand that you have to know who your audience is and some people will take that kind of thing really well but I think that speaks a lot to his ego for him to say he did that when he didn't really do it and um, to take ownership for the whole thing when he just did a part of it it was kind of disappointing so more speaks to the person and less to the um, 
the situation. So leave that at that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so ultimately, I think that if you really, as an idea generator or as a person, never forget that you have an abundant amount of ideas. So if someone steals one, then there's always going to be something left there. And if they are stealing your ideas, that means it's a good idea. And you know, nobody wants to take credit for a bad idea or bad work. So know that if someone, especially an authoritative figure in your in your workplace is taking your ideas or taking credit for them, he knows the value of them or she knows the value of them enough to steal it to make themselves look good. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. If you like this episode, I hope you do. Um, Listen to the next one. Listen to some other ones. Give me some feedback. Give me a five-star rating. I would love it uh, if you did. And if you'd like to stay connected with me, I am The Great Dana J on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And my blog is at thegreatdanaj.com. And you can email me at Dana at thegreatdanaj.com with any comments, ideas, suggestions, rants, raves. <laughs> I appreciate everything. And I'm so happy to be back in the groove of making my podcast. I will be back soon. I'm still getting in the groove with the new mic, but we're going to get there. It's, 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 it's a different experience. I think sometimes in our minds we want to upgrade, but then... The, the logic of figuring out a new technology kind of gets in the way of that upgrade. That's kind of how I feel now. So I'm adjusting to it. I think it sounds awesome, but it's a little bit heavier than my old one. And listening to playback is a little bit different. All these things you learn as you podcast. But I was actually talking about starting my podcast or restarting my podcast. Because if you've been a listener for a long time, you know, I launched it, took a long break, came back to it and... I will basically uh, just let you know if you're thinking about or sitting on an idea or trying to get something started, I highly recommend just diving into it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Perfect is the enemy of getting started sometimes. So just go for it. I didn't have an intro to my show for the longest time and I got that now. I got that nailed down. I don't have a solid outro yet, but we're going to get there. And I've been trying to transcribe most of my posts and put them on my blog. So if you're a reader, you can listen there through my host Podbean, but baby steps. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just get started because I think if you feel like you have something you want to share with the world and you've been holding back, everybody should get out there and just do it because of all the things I've done professionally in the last two years, getting back into my podcast has to be in the top of those things and getting my MBA has to be another one of those top things. So put yourself out there, get started, get the, get the fire underneath you if you need to, and feel free to email me if you got questions. I'm happy to chat a little bit, but thank you so much for listening again, and I will be back soon. Talk to you guys then. Bye.